Hey, welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. While we were away, we've been dealing like you with the COVID-19 issues and with issues of race. But one of the great things that happened for us is that Rhode Island is doing so well with the numbers that we got to go back to church. We're doing it outside, following all the rules as if we were doing it inside so that we can keep our numbers going down. It was such a great experience to be together with people that we hadn't seen in months and be able to worship and pray and see one another. I asked them, what are some of the things that you didn't like about the last few months? And what are the things that you did like? And it was funny. It's like a lot of people have either continued an interest or re got re-interested in feeding the birds in their yard. That way they could have something that they looked forward to every day when they couldn't leave their house. The thing that kept coming up over and over was the people that would say, and I've never seen a bluebird at my house, and I have a pair of bluebirds now. And I've never been able to attract the Baltimore Oriole, but they're coming to the new orange feeder that I've got. I've got three pair of Baltimore Orioles. And we even had somebody that with wide eyes said, and I saw for the first time in my life, a pileated woodpecker. And everybody that was doing it and was telling the story was excited about these new things coming into their life. I think that's a part of what nature has to teach us. Again, I go back to my Athabascan folks up in Alaska that taught me that if you look to nature, she will show you the way. I think that excitement that we see because we're interested in birds, to see that new bird, that different kind of bird, is part of what nature has to teach us. And as people were talking about feeding the birds, that's the lesson that came to me. The lesson that came, came out of the struggle that our society has had for as long as we've been a society here anywhere close to these shores. And recently, many of us have found that our group of friends have a little more difficulty talking about race relations right now because we all think a little bit different. And if we say one thing, we insult another group. And if we say one thing, we put down another group. And it's been so hard to have conversations. It's been so important to have conversations, but it's been so hard. 
But the lesson that came to me as people were talking about the birds and how excited they were in seeing something new, the thought that came was, why do we not look at other people that way? How come when we see a different color of skin tone, that doesn't excite us? How come when we hear somebody speaking a little differently than us, that doesn't excite us? Why do those things make us take a step back, make us take a second look, make us be afraid, make us cross to the other side of the street, make us lock our doors as we're driving through that neighborhood? How come we're not as excited about seeing differences in one another as we are in seeing differences in the rest of nature? I think there's plenty of answers there of how come. But I first just want you to think about who you are and how you react when you see someone who looks differently than you or speaks differently than you, or acts differently than you, or is different than you? Is your first instinct to be excited, or is your first instinct to be cautious, nervous, or scared? Yeah, I'm, um, it was making me think of that song that mom, I think you probably sang it too, but used to sing to me as a little girl before I went to bed, which is actually offensive in our modern eyes um but at the time i understand the lesson she was trying to teach behind it which was that song that went like, red and yellow black and white they are precious in his sight jesus loves the little children of the world and i think that has been like a growth point for me during this process as i look forward into the future of potentially having children at some point. Why being taught as a child that all people were the same and should be treated equally and that we should be excited and curious about those that are different from us in the same way that you're describing the birds, why that didn't result in a more peaceful society filled with equal rights for all. Mm-hmm. And I think it interesting because up until this point I've struggled with people who are pushing the all lives matter point but I think as you described the joy of seeing the different birds and how we would love it if our society was like that that we felt enthusiasm for all different types of people I can see where some may have come from with good intentions around the idea of all lives matter or that Jesus loves us all the same, or we're all equal in God's eyes, and that it might be frustrating for some of those people to hear others say, that's great that you want all lives to matter, but that's not where we're at right now. (laughs) Right now we're working on black lives matter. But yeah, I think it's clear to me that as I move forward as a parent in the future, you know, that song, that bedtime song, or painting that picture of us excited and curious about all the birds, that I need to change that lesson because it obviously didn't work, you know? And even if it worked to some extent, it didn't create a non-racist society and it didn't create anti-racist children. (laughs) 
And I think it is something worth looking into. Why? I mean, I think it's an, <laughs> I think it's an overly simplified uh, story, but I think like, yeah, why would someone be okay with diversity in nature, but not be okay with diversity in people? And I have a lot of answers for why that is, including systematic racism and propaganda and the history of exploiting black and brown people and uh, a racist law system and the prison system and so many things that I think are concrete reasons that we didn't just come to this conclusion that certain people are dangerous or untrustworthy on our own. I think for some, just simply asking that question of themselves might be really helpful. Yeah. And I think the biggest job for us as white allies is to educate ourselves and to consume more resources and information. And I think that that curiosity of why that contradiction exists within us, it might be a helpful place to start. Yeah, I guess that's why I shared that simple story because as, like I said, as people were talking, that's the thing that hit my heart is why are we skeptical of people that are different, but we rejoice at nature when it's different. But I guess the place I wanted us just to start today is to say, is that me? Do I feel that way? Do I get upset or scared or nervous if I see a couple of black or brown people walking my way on a, on a sidewalk? Is that me? Am I skeptical about a black or brown person walking into a group of mine? Or am I excited? Where am I in the process? I guess that's the challenge that I wanted to share with all of you today. Yeah, and I think the nice part about that challenge is where it leads. Because if the answer is yes, I do have those reactions, then comes up the contradiction. Well, I don't think I am a person like that. Yeah. Right? Right. But then how did this happen? Right. You know, how did I get here then? You know, right. and I think that's where we're starting to shine a light into the dark corners because, you know, people who lived a good life, went to church, had yeah. loving parents, yeah. went to a good school. Yeah. Like, I don't think that the foster school system had a racist agenda to teach me to distrust people that didn't look like me right but then how did this happen how did i come up with this perspective and i think as we explore that we start to see yeah actually maybe they did have a racist agenda <laughs> you know what i mean like maybe that doesn't mean all the teachers were racist absolutely you know, that doesn't mean that all the absolutely lesson lesson plans were racist it doesn't mean that the school board was racist but there is systematic racism there is implicit bias there is all these things of people who wrote those 
lesson plans, the people who taught those lesson plans, the people who wrote the books, who edited the books, who published the books. And the folks who taught them before, long before with different books. Right. This isn't a mistake. This isn't, it didn't just happen like this. People have been purposefully keeping racist perspectives alive because it benefits some people, you know? Yeah. And that's really confronting if that's not something that you're aware of before. And it's really confronting if you realize that you have fallen for that. And I think that's important to understand too, that we have all fallen for that. Right. Speaking for white people. Right. I mean, yeah. And I guess there is, to me, it's, I think nature celebrates diversity in the most part. That's what it nature teaches. Humanity for whatever reason you want to draw that conclusion. Is it, is it sin? Is it pride? Is it, I don't know. But humanity has a tendency to seek out differences and see them as bad. I don't know why that seems to be a natural tendency in human beings, but so is sin. (laughs) And we spend most of our time trying to walk with God saying, I don't wanna keep sinning. Well, I'm hoping that this is an awakening for many of us to say, I don't want to keep seeing people that are different as a threat to me. I don't care what I've been taught. I got to look at that and and throw that in the trash, but I don't want to buy it anymore. I want to see people that are different as me as the pileated woodpecker in my life and say, I've never seen anyone that looks like that. I want to get to know more. Yeah. I've I've never heard anyone talk like that. I want to get to know them more. Obviously, there's a lot of work that has to happen inside me for that to always be. Is that where you were going, Aim? Well, just that I think it's more complicated than that because we're not talking about a new type of person that we've never seen before. Right. This is America is not treating black people like pileated woodpeckers. They're treating them like the squirrels that are stealing the birds. Yeah. They're treating them like the the nuisance, like the less than. They're not an interesting bird that we haven't seen before. They are someone we want out of our yard. Yeah. That's the way we've been treating them. And it's yeah, so I think it's going to be more than just um, getting excited about something new. It's going to be entirely rewriting the script in our minds, what we've been taught, and flipping that on its head. All right. It, it made me think, though, I mean, this isn't a new story. I mean, that's one of the amazing, disheartening, and inspiring things that I have found in our, what are we going on, four-year Bible study that you yeah. and I have been doing which is like all these same issues that we're seeing now in the church, uh, in the world, in ourselves. We read about them from the New and Old Testament thousands of years ago, the same things. Yeah. And that, as you were talking about that, it made me think of the, the Good Samaritan story. Right, right. And 
I mean, we always talk about the Good Samaritan story. Like, you know, as a kid, like you want to be the Good Samaritan, you know, if, if people aren't familiar with the story, there's like a, uh, I'm sorry, what, who is the person on the ground? He's Not Jewish. Jewish person on the ground yeah. that got beat up. And then the priest walks by and he doesn't stop for him. And who is it? The merchant? Well, no, the scribe, by? the lawyer. Okay. Yeah. The religious, the religious zealot. So the two people that we would expect to be good and right. moral people just walk by. And then the Samaritan, who is the enemy of the Jewish person, is the one who stops and helps him. Yeah. So, so you know, as a kid, we all know we're going to be the Samaritan. We're the good Samaritan, you know? Yeah. But we don't talk so much about, like, what the heck was going on in that society that those two guys walked past this guy, yeah. you know? What hate, what propaganda, what racism, what false story has been taught to them since birth and for generations and generations before that these men of God, these like high men in the society didn't stop for somebody who is bleeding and dying on the side of the road? Like, what the heck was going on there, right? And then, you know, we all claim since childhood in Sunday school, we're going to be the good Samaritan. Here's our moment. Yeah. There are people bleeding and dying on the side of the road, you know, in their cars, in their homes, in Wendy's drive throughs We have to stand up even if those around us aren't, even if people yeah. that are in the highest positions in this country are not standing up for them. Yeah. We are being asked, if you call yourself a Christian, <laughs> I think if you call yourself a human, are being asked to stand up for them. Yeah. But this isn't a new problem. So it's also not something that we're going to fix in one meditation session or one podcast episode. Right. Right. I mean, one thing, I mean, and you and I talked before this and we were unsure about whether to do this because you and I don't have all the answers yet. I'm pretty sure you and I aren't ever going to have all the answers. I was raised by a mom who saw people as people. But even then, I found that I was struggling with issues of race because it's so cemented in our society. I've taken two courses put out by my churches called Compassionate Conversations About Race. And we looked at our role in a society that doesn't treat everyone, especially brown and black people, equally. And you took a course at school, right? Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not enough to take quite a few courses, right? I think that's where you're going. No, I, I understand. Yeah. But it was something that I needed to do to help me become more who I wanted to be and less who society has made me to be. Yeah, I've been seeing a lot of language around unlearning, you know. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the process that you're describing. Yes. You know? Yes. It's like we, for most of us, like white people who have been educated in mainstream America, I think we need to go through, to be honest, probably a lifetime of unlearning. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's going to be a quick process where we somehow get all the answers, you know. Something's not working here. Right. Um, and so the normal type of education that we have put in front of ourselves isn't enough. 
Right. And I think that that's what a lot of white people are just now realizing, which I am sure is incredibly frustrating to communities of color, you know, that suddenly we're all like, wow, I didn't know this. What? I should read about this, you know? Yeah. And But I mean, it's also the only way forward, you know? Right. It's like that, like, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 30 years ago and the next best time is today. Right. right. So is it embarrassing that we didn't speak up about it before? Yeah. But yes. our only choice is to get that book now, watch that film now, speak to that person now, follow that person now, read that thing now, and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next, and the next year, and go, because it's only going to hopefully expand. This yeah. is only hopefully going to, we're only going to become more and more awakened if we continue in that path. Yeah, yeah. So for this week, we don't know where you are. We are trying our best to know where we are. Wherever you are, I encourage you to take the next step. If that's simply saying to yourself, why do I care more about the birds at my feeder than the people who live literally on the other side of the tracks? And if you've done that part and you want to change, learn one thing this week, whether it's reading something or listening to a podcast. And if you're at that place, then look for those places where you can teach a young child so that they don't have to unlearn as much as us. And if you're at that point, then be ready to look for the places where you can stand up and be an ally, to stand for and with someone. And we've got an election coming up. Figure out how to be more politically involved for the people that are not getting equal and fair treatment in these United States. We have to change our society, but that starts with you and me changing the next thing we can change about us. so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.